Well, brothers and sisters, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and take them and turn to Jude. Jude, and we're going to be looking at verses 5 through 7. The book of Jude, verse 5 through 7. While you turn there, I'll say a few words of introduction. Every now and then, living in a Genesis 3 world, we experience all the things that the fall has brought. The separation between us and God can be felt when apart from Christ. The death that plagues this world and our families, sickness, trouble, marital tension. We often feel the problems of this world acutely. Particularly, you see what the world and all that it has offers. It's denial of God. It's rejection of Christ. It's mocking of the true Christian gospel. The world at so many levels confronts the Christian every day. And he asks, did God really say? Lies are believed. And perhaps you know many who have believed the lies and left the faith of Jesus. Those, perhaps everyone in here knows someone who once firmly believed in the Lord Christ and now this very day denies Him. The Lord does not leave us alone. Praise Him. He gives us not only encouragements whereby you ought to hold fast to your faith, He also gives you warnings. Just as any parent does who gives you encouragements not to go near the road, but also yells when you get near the road. Jude does both of these things. He encourages and he warns. And today... He warns us. I'm going to pray, and then I'll read verses 5 through 7, and we'll jump in. But let's pray together. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, this is Your Word. We pray, come and write it on our eyeballs. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Jude, beginning in verse 5 through verse 7, this is the Word of the living God. Jude writes, Now I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus, who saved a people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling, He has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness, until the judgment of the great day. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desires, serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. This ends the reading of God's holy, inspired an inerrant word may write its truth on our hearts. Well, brothers and sisters, I have a proposition and two points today. The proposition, remember Christ. 
Jude is coming to you today and he is pushing in front of your plate and your platter, as it were, and telling you, remember Jesus. Remember Jesus. Remember His contending. And remember His condemning. Remember Jesus. And remember His contending. And remember His condemning. See how Jude opens with our passage today. Remember Jesus. Remember His contending. Verse 5. The, the apostle... The, almost the apostle. Jude writes, verse 5, Now I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus, who saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterwards destroyed those who did not believe. Last week, as we opened this book, we saw that Jude begins with glorious things in his book. He tells the Christians of their Trinitarian blessing from God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. How we are called by the Spirit out of this world. How we are loved by God the Father. And how we are kept for Jesus in that eternal day. And he has told us also in that introduction that there are now false teachers who have crept in to the church. Verse 4. There are false disguisers. There are those men who are seeking to taint the church with false doctrines. And these people in verse 4 have crept in unnoticed. Peter said in his letter, they are coming. Jude says in his letter, they are here. And these people are doing two things. They are perverting the grace of God into licentiousness. And they are denying the lordship of Christ over their lives. And so Jude opens with three illustrations. He opens with the Exodus, God's people Israel, the angels, and the Gentiles in Sodom and Gomorrah. And see how he opens with that first word in verse 5. Jude begins, now. The word but. There are false teachers all around you, Jude says. And so what is Jude seeking to do as false teachers have come into the church? What does Jude say, Christian, this is what you need to do when there's false teachers around you? He grounds them in the Word of God. He goes back into the Old Testament and says, Christian, the authority of Scripture, the sufficiency, authority, inerrancy of Scripture is your baseline as a Christian. Are you plagued with doubts? Jude says, go to the Word of God. Are you surrounded by false teachings? Go to the Word of God. Are you believing lies? Go to the Scripture. Jude begins with saying, I want to remind you. And what do I want to remind you of? I want to remind you of your Bibles. That's how he begins this letter especially when you are under assault. The Apostle Paul wrote that all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God might be complete. 2 Timothy 2, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. And so are you wavering this morning? Jude comes to ground you. He comes to ground me. 
I want you to notice the content of what he wants to ground you in. Verse 5, he says, Now I want to remind you. What do you want to remind me of? Although you once fully knew it, the content, that, Jesus. I want to remind you of the person and the work of Jesus. Why? Because you are prone to forget. I am prone to forget. We do not wake up every morning with the Psalm 139 that God's omnipresence is everywhere and His kingship is ruling over all. And we do not wake up saying every morning, good morning, great king. How might I serve you today? Why? Because we are forgetful. We forget what the gospel has done for us. We forget the life that we have been saved from and the life we were saved to. And we have a spiritual amnesia that comes about us. We get into a disagreement with our spouse and we forget grace. You go to correct your children and Jesus never entered the picture. We forget. And so Jude comes to remind. The content of his reminder is the person and the work of Christ. But this is, this is quite lovely. He's not speaking of simply Christ in the incarnation. You'll notice what he refers to here. Notice what he says in verse 5. He says, you once fully knew this, that Jesus, what did Jesus do? He defines him, relative clause, who saved a people out of the land of Egypt. Now this is glorious, isn't it? The one who actually brought about the second exodus, the sa saved you from your sin, is the same person in the Trinity who brought about the first exodus in bringing Israel out of Egypt. Isn't that lovely? Aren't you glad that Jesus is a Savior? Aren't you thankful that Jesus is not simply the despotase, the Lord of all, the judge as we just read in James 4. He's a Savior. But there's a progression. The progression comes in verse 5. Afterward, He first saved them, but afterward destroyed those who did not believe. We are prone to forget this very fact. We live in a uh, piecemeal Jesus day. People want this Christ, but definitely not that Christ. I'll take your Jesus who loves me. I'll take your Jesus who has grace for me. But a Jesus who, as in Revelation 19, remember it's not the Father whose robes are dipped in blood, it's the Son who has robes dipped in blood, and it's the blood of His enemies. It is the Son who Psalm 2 says that everything will be set under His feet, that He will judge the nations. We want a piecemeal Jesus, but Jude says, remember, you can't piecemeal Christ in the gospel. That Jesus, who is a Savior, is also the judge. He who is the Savior is also the judge. 
We wanted Jesus to take away our sin, but we often don't want Jesus to rule over us. We want a salvation that doesn't have a cross. We want an inheritance without a father. We want a faith without works. We want a gospel that costs nothing. But doesn't Jesus say in Luke 9, if you would come after me, take up your cross and follow after me. It will cost you to hold fast to the gospel in this present day. Salvation is not cheap. It was bought at no cost to us. But in many ways, it costs us everything. I wonder if you once fully knew about the wrath of Jesus, about the lordship of Christ over all things. And I wonder if you today are denying it. I wonder if you love having Jesus as your Savior, but not having Him as your Lord. I wonder if you distinctly make a characterization where you say, He saved me, but He's not sovereign over me. We want a Christ that's a lamb and not a lion. It is the temptation of the world to make Jesus like us in our image. But I want you to get this high sense of Christology that Jude has. Isn't it lovely? See what Jude's like when he reads his Old Testament, who's he reading about? He's reading about Christ in the Old Testament. The apostolic witness of the person of Christ is that his being is eternal. Oh, as the Hebrews say, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That he is the God who was in the burning bush, the theophany there. He is the one who appeared in the cloud by day and the fire by night. He is the one who split the sea and brought his people through. He is the one who drove out the nations from Canaan and set his people in their possession. Christ, who did the first Exodus and the second Exodus. It is an imponderable thought, isn't it? That Jesus has always been. There was never a time when Christ was not. He's no beginning, no end. The high Christology coming forth that in verse 4 that he says, He's the Lord of all. These actions of Jesus, He saves and destroys. I want you to know, it says He destroyed those who did not believe. Um, this is more than likely going back into Numbers 14, which is when the spies came back from the land. And 12 spies went out, 12 spies came back. They went in for 40 days, they came back. And when they came back, 10 gave a bad report, 2 gave a good report, Joshua and Caleb. And the two who gave a good report, remember, they actually went into the promised land 40 years later. As they had spent 40 days spying out the land, they would spend 40 years in that wilderness until the generation of those who did not believe the Lord perished. He, sent, he caused them to perish through earthquakes, fiery serpents, pestilence, plague, sword, many ways. 
The same one who saved is the same one who destroyed. And I wonder, if they were destroyed for not believing God after the first exodus, what will happen to you and I if we do not believe God's salvation after receiving the second exodus? What will be the state of your soul if you deny the gospel of Christ after He has come in the flesh? As Hebrews says, how much greater is our salvation that we must pay much closer attention, Hebrews 2, 1, to the things we have heard, lest we also fall away. We were saved with His precious blood. My brothers and sisters, I dare say that the people in the wilderness are an example to us, 1 Corinthians 10, 6. If they did not receive the promised land because of their unbelief, do not think that you will make it to heaven if you forsake the Lord and are unbelieving today. Do not think that you will enter in to the true and the greater promised land if you forsake Him. But I want you to remember Christ. I want you to remember His contending. But I want you also to remember His condemning. See how Jude writes in verse 6. Verse 6, he writes, And the angels who did not stay with their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling, He has kept in eternal chains, under gloomy darkness, until the judgment of the great day. Incredibly, Jude goes from Israel in the wilderness to uh, angels. And he makes this Old Testament references in rapid fire, assuming that his congregation understands where the references are. The wilderness, the angelic apostasy, and Sodom and Gomorrah. He assumes they're familiar with these stories. But it's not just any angel he's making reference to. Notice the angel he makes reference to, verse 6. The angels who, a particular kind, did not stay within their own position of authority. Literally, their own home. They didn't stay in their own dwelling. These angels are those evil angels. The ones who Peter says were not elect angels. The one who fell away. The Bible speaks, uh, begins with the existence of these beings. When he, at the end of uh, the book of Job, he says that at the, at the day song, the, the morning stars you know, sang for joy. Angels are often referred to as stars, like in the Bethlehem uh, story with the incarnation of Christ. A star led them. Stars in the Old Testament are often angels. But the Bible begins with these the existence of angels. Isaiah 14, 12, How you are fallen from heaven, O day star, son of dawn. Luke 10, 18, Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. When Peter records these angels in particular, he, in this particular passage, 2 Peter 2, verse 4, he says that the angels that sinned, but when Jude refers to them, he doesn't refer to the angels that sinned, it's the angels who did not stay. Not peculiar. The angels did not keep their position. They left the Lord. 
Just as Israel, who had been saved by the Lord, had experienced his salvation, they left the Lord in the wilderness. So these angels who were in the presence of the Lord left the Lord for other things. But peculiarly, in verse 6, they did not stay within their own position. And so what does he do? He has kept them in eternal chains. Uh, the word for stay and keep in your English is the same word in Greek, tereo, and it'll be used throughout this book. But, it's the, uh, but since they did not see it fit to keep, to stay, to keep with God, God has kept them. They didn't want to stay in heaven, and so He has kept them in eternal chains. And the language is absolutely terrifying. Notice that He has kept them in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the great day. Gloomy darkness is all throughout the Bible. And when darkness is present, it is the presence of divine wrath. Like Amos 5, 18 through 20, Amos writes, Woe to you who desire the day of the Lord. He says, why would you desire the day of the Lord? And he says this, it is darkness and no light. It is not a day, it is not the day of the Lord. Darkness and not light and gloom with no brightness in it. He's saying that to be held in gloomy darkness is to sit in the day of the Lord in the, in the judgment and the recompense of your God. And you can hear Jude saying, Don't leave the Lordship of Christ. Don't let the, the one who saved you in the end cause the, the one you did not believe in. And he's saying the end of these things is destruction. The end of these things is gloomy darkness. It is terrifying. As we all know, people who have drifted from Jesus. Perhaps you have drifted from Jesus. Jude comes and he's warning you as a father, as we said last week with that phrase that it's as though you're running at a cliff and he just he yells at the top of his lungs to try to get you to stop. We must echo in our wandering souls this reminder that Christ is Lord of all. That His flag will fly whether you profess Him or not. That on the last day, everyone will gather before the throne of Jesus and they will bow the knee and they will confess Him as Lord whether you did before or you didn't after. Christ is Lord whether you think He is or He isn't. doesn't matter what you think. We must, while it is today, remind our hearts of who Christ is. As Abraham Kuyper famously said, there is not a square inch on planet earth that Christ does not say, mine, it belongs to me. He will rule every inch of this world. And we must not only say, Jesus paid it all, all to Him I owe, but we must also say, Crown Him with many crowns, the Lamb upon the throne. And see how He transitions here. 
He goes from Israel in the wilderness to angels who have left their proper place to Sodom and Gomorrah. Verse 7, he says, Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desire, serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. In this final Old Testament illustration, he, Jude brings out Sodom and Gomorrah, the rebellion against God and Christ in a familiar passage. If you recall uh, Genesis 13, 10, Abraham and uh, Lot are splitting ways. Uh, Lot says that our, our shepherds are fighting one another. We must go our own way. We're too big for the land. And Abraham says, choose which way you will go. I will, I will go in the opposite way. And it says in Genesis 13, 10, that Lot lifted up his eyes upon the Jordan Valley and that was well watered like the Garden of Eden, like the Garden of the Lord. It looked like paradise. And he took his sheep that way. And in that way, it says in Genesis 13, 10, was the direction of Sodom and Gomorrah. You should know that Sodom and Gomorrah was a place of great prosperity. In the, Old, in the Old Testament, and sadly, its prosperity often became the, the occasion for which much wickedness and impiety bred. We often take God's gifts and misuse them. We often take good things and make them ultimate things, and they destroy us. Prosperity is not bad. It's what your heart does in the midst of prosperity that's bad. What does it say with Psalm 51, it wasn't until that all, he was at, uh, David was at peace at all sides and then he was up on top of his roof. In the midst of his prosperity, he sees Bathsheba, right? And so what does he do? You know the rest. Prosperity is not bad. It's what our hearts do with prosperity. Sodom and Gomorrah are known even today. They're known for their immorality, their strange and unnatural desires. Uh, every man in the city was led astray. Genesis 19, 4, that every man came from the, both the young and the old to Lot's door and they demanded the men that went in the house. You may say, Jonas, I have no idea why Jude is bringing up Sodom and Gomorrah in this letter. Well, it's a good question. And simply, it doesn't matter whether you're a Jew, whether you're an angel, or whether you're a Gentile. You need to know that not believing in the Lord Jesus and submitting to His Lordship ends in destruction. It doesn't matter who you are. Sodom and Gomorrah went from burning in one fire on earth to burning in eternal fire in hell. It doesn't matter if you have not known the Lord Jesus, you will be judged according to your knowledge. It's what Jesus says in Matthew 11. 
He says, Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works had been done in you, had been done in Sodom, they would have remained to this day. Meaning what? Your judgment, he said, on the last day, Sodom will rise against you and condemn you. Meaning this, you are held responsible for the light you have, and I tell you this day, I have warned you. The Lord Jesus is a gracious Savior. He is full. There is more pity in Christ than there is sin in you. And He says in Matthew 11, Come to Me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I promise, I will give you rest. If your heart keeps you from Him, it will cost you dearly. And I tell you that Sodom and Gomorrah speaks a more terrifying word to us. It is peculiar that every illustration involved the promised land. Notice that that Israel didn't reach the promised land, verse 5. The angels were cast out from the ultimate promised land. Sodom and Gomorrah was watered like the garden of the Lord. It was like the promised land. Every illustration here is involving promised land and apostasy and what follows. And Jude is warning you and me that if you leave Christ now, you will not inherit the promised land. Can you hear his warning? He says in verse 7 that Sodom and Gomorrah, last phrase, serve as an example. An example. Meaning that they are simply a picture of what happens. They're a picture, and and it says, by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire, a fire that never ends. Notice he goes from, from destroying to gloomy darkness to eternal fire. These pictures are terrifying. Do you want Christ's benefits without His governance? Do you want a Savior who requires nothing of you? Jesus is not that Savior. Christ is Lord. And if you choose to abandon His Lordship and believe you will get the benefits. You cannot piecemeal Him. And you will find that out very difficultly. Do you want to live under the dominion of sin while having the benefits of Jesus? It doesn't work. Jesus is not a cosmic waiter who does your bidding. He is the Lord of all. And Jude here is calling us not only to have Christ as He truly is, a Savior, but to have Him as He truly is, the Lord of all. Now Christian, remember who Jesus is. Remember that He is both your Savior from all your sin, but He is also the Lord who directs your life. Live your days under His Lordship. And perhaps 
there are people in here who are living in opposition to him. I tell you, flee. Terrifying things await you. The gospel is presented to you today that Christ has taken away the sin of everyone who puts their faith in Him. It is offered to you freely. He says, come and believe in me and I will give you all of my benefits. I will give you everything from the assurance of God's love to the assurance of these promises coming to fruition on the last day. I will prepare for you, John 14, a place in heaven. Christ will give you all things. But you come to Him on His terms and not on your terms. And so non-Christian, run to Jesus. Christian, if you are living without Him as sovereign and governor, submit to Him again. Remind yourself of who He is and live under His power. Well, brothers, remember Christ, remember His contending, and remember His condemning. Let's pray together.